Hello, I'm Neil Aitchison and welcome to Warwick Podcasts. The violent put-down of pro-democracy demonstrations in Burma has left the future of the democratic movement in the country in doubt. Dr Peter Ferdinand, who is Director of the Centre for Studies in Democratisation at Warwick and specialises in the politics of the Asian Pacific region, talks about where the campaign for democracy in Burma can go from here. So Peter, perhaps you can just explain a little bit about the background to these uh, protests that we've seen, particularly by the monks. Why has it happened now, really? The regime in Burma recently introduced some price rises on basic commodities, which for a lot of Burmese just was the last straw after years, indeed almost 20 years, of repression since the last attempt at democratic reform in the country. And the resentments of ordinary people were exacerbated by the sense that the military junta itself was immune to all of these domestic pressures. Uh, There was the famous video that was produced of the wedding of the daughter of the president, Tan Shui, which showed a woman and guests at the, uh, the wedding who were exchanging diamonds and clearly enjoying a lifestyle which was enormously different from that of the ordinary people. So it was this sense that the regime was not responsible, accountable to ordinary people, and that individual leaders had become corrupt that, combined with the price rises, I think, um, brought people into the, the streets to protest, saying that something has to be done, something has to be changed, and possibly the only way that this could be done would be through democracy. And we've seen the repression uh, of that protest uh, and quite sort of brutal uh, repression of it in, in some parts. What, what does that mean for the democratic opposition movement in Burma, then, do you think? Uh, is it the end of that movement, do you think? What the defenders of democracy want in Burma is, of course, something that would actually live up to the elections that originally took place in 1988, which were then... Uh, overturned by the military who imposed their own SLORC, the Supreme Law and Order Restoration Committee, um, to try to maintain national unity and military control. And so the problem for the, for the democracy activists is that there aren't really any allowed democratic institutions that could counterpose themselves to the regime. And so most of the protests that take place tend to come from amorphous social groups of one kind or another. In 1988, it was the students who took to the streets and who led the demonstrations. This time, it's the monks who've taken to the streets and led the demonstrations. But in both cases, although there's no doubt about the um, passion that they felt about the cause, there was no organisational underpinning that would allow them to maintain some kind of pressure even after the military had cracked down. So in a way I'm afraid what I think we're waiting for is some other event to take place which would act as a catalyst for popular demonstrations which the military couldn't predict, couldn't try to prevent from happening. Um, And who knows what that will be? All I'm pretty sure is that sometime it will happen. And of course it could be that effectively we're really waiting for the death 
of the president, Tan Shui, because he's clearly in control at the moment, and as long as the military are loyal to him, then nothing much is going to change. But once he has died, then I imagine there will be new opportunities for the demonstrators to come out on the streets, and quite possibly the military will be shown to be more divided than we think they are at the moment. Um, Tan Shui has managed to crack down on opponents in the past, and that acts as a disincentive for people to try to organise some kind of resistance to him. But once he's gone, whenever that is, then I could imagine that the military will be more open, some people in the military at any rate, will be more open to a dialogue, reconciliation with the, with the democracy activists. So do you think we're likely to see a repetition of what happened uh, after 1988 uh, and the sort of op democratic opposition movement uh, continuing in the background in the country? I'm sure that will, that, will, that will go on. There is, of course, also the persisting um, attempts at independence by the Karen and other uh, minority groups in Burma, which keep the military active even though some t in trying to repress them, even though sometimes the, uh, the military seems to have won at least temporary, a temporary victory. But that helps to legitimise ongoing military domination of politics to try and keep the country together. So there is quite a lot of potential violence that could still continue, even using guns, which we haven't seen this time and we didn't really see in 1988, apart from those that were used by the armed forces themselves. Um, but the sense that there is a popular dissatisfaction, resentment with official corruption, and also what's a bit different this time compared with 1988 is that democracy activists have been using new technology to get their message out to the outside world and in return what that means is that they know that the outside world, lots of political leaders around the world have expressed sympathy for their cause and whilst that may not help them to withstand some kind of military onslaught it isn't going to make people think that this is a lost cause, that they should just abandon it and put up with whatever it is that the military decide to impose. So gradually, no doubt, this external pressure and the increasing sense of self-confidence on the part of opponents of the regime will come together in some kind of movement again. But when it's going to be, and whether it's going to be successful next time, I'm afraid nobody knows and nor does the military know whether it's going to succeed next time either. And has there been actually any pressure on the, the military regime uh, as a result of this opposition movement, do you think? Obviously, the Western states, the United States, Britain and other West European countries, have repeated their long-held criticisms of the regime and its practices. But what's changed a bit as well is that even uh, Myanmar's neighbours in the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, ASEAN, have become more outspoken about the way in which the military have cracked down in Burma. Even the Prime Minister of Singapore, which is, who has been noted for managing the sensibilities of member states in ASEAN, not criticising the internal affairs of a particular member country and so on, 
even ASEAN members, including Singapore, have been more open about their wish to see the Burmese government change its policy. And possibly they will have more of an impact in the long term because Burma does need good relations with its neighbours and it probably values those and relations with China more than relations with any other part of the world. So even China has been less than totally supportive of the Burmese regime. And all of this in the longer term, no doubt, will help to advance the cause of those in the military who do want to see a different line. But none of them are going to risk their careers and political isolation by coming out against Tan Shui at the moment. And we haven't seen any real cracks in the sort of military uh, regime up till now. Not serious ones, no. There have been reports of individual middle-level officers in the army who have sought refugee status abroad because they did not want to be involved in shooting at monks. Um, one uh, former major said that uh, for a Burmese to shoot a monk was condemning yourself to an eternity in hell afterwards, and he didn't want that to follow. So there certainly, I think, will be some reservations, dissatisfaction amongst the middle level of officers who have been the ones actually carrying out the orders from the generals. But there's no, been no sign that the generals themselves are divided about it. And are, are there signs of actual dialogue between uh, the democratic opposition then and the government? Uh, the, the democratic uh, opposition leader, uh, An Sung Suu Kyi, was uh, allowed to meet the, the UN uh, special envoy that uh, went to Burma uh, and she was allowed to pray with some of the protesting monks. Is that a sign of dialogue between the two? It's a bit of a sign of a potential dialogue. I think actually some of the uh, the early uh, signs, that is Aung San Chi actually coming out and welcoming the first waves of demonstrators, really reflected the fact that probably the soldiers who were imposing house arrest upon her didn't know what to do. And so they didn't want to be involved in suppressing a demonstration in front of the eyes of the outside world. Uh, when they didn't know quite what was going to happen afterwards. Once the line had come down from above what they were going to do, then I think that the regime did crack down again and would make it more difficult for contacts with the outside world. So, yes, they, they have made some slight changes in policy that might lead to a reconciliation with Aung San Suu Kyi. And they had been, I think, covertly exploring that with her or with supporters of the League for Democracy previously. But I doubt that either side, just at this moment, feels the need to make any great further opening to the other, because the military have cracked down, they feel in control, and the demonstrators have been repressed and they feel resentful. And it's going to take a while for that memory, that the bitterness on both sides, I think, to be uh, swept away. Uh, and what do you expect to happen then over the sort of short term, over the next few weeks? Uh, are we likely to see more brutal uh, oppression from the military regime? Uh, there probably will be some oppression, but I doubt that we'll see it, because what the military have done now is remove a lot of the monks from 
uh, Rangoon itself into other parts of the country. It's not possible for foreigners to visit the country very easily and certainly not to visit parts outside Rangoon. So there will be repression, but the outside world won't see it anymore and we will only hear about it later on. I'm afraid that one of the lessons of these, seems like, 20-year cycles of democracy protests in Burma is that civilians, unarmed civilians, really are unable to overthrow organized military force of a relatively modern army if they have no weapons of their own. So what they have to wait for is some kind of sign of division within the military itself, which then they can exploit. Without that, there isn't going to be any change. And why has that been the case in, in Burma? Because we've seen in uh, the former Eastern Europe uh, of uh, those coups in the late uh, 80s being successful against uh, military regimes. Why hasn't that worked uh, here in Burma? Well, in Eastern Europe, it was partly because the leaders of the regimes there suddenly didn't know what to do when confronted by the protests and when the Soviet Union was no longer prepared to come to their assistance in repressing demonstrators. So that precisely was an occasion where the elite was divided and at a loss. The difference from Burma is that it's not clear that the military regime there is as divided as the one in East, ones in Eastern Europe were, and also they're not really so dependent upon outside support as the East European regimes were upon the Soviet Union. And unless and until the military show signs of greater uncertainty, division over what to do next, and that will come because the, re the economy has not been developing the sense that Burmese have been left behind compared to the peoples of the neighbouring states of Southeast Asia in the economic developments over the last 30, 40 years, that will become an ongoing and irremovable psychological feeling on the part of the Burmese people. But whether they can turn, whether and when they can turn that into some kind of decisive organized political action um, depends as much on the military as it does upon the people themselves. And what do you think long term then in Burma? Um, you mentioned we might be waiting for the death of uh, Tan Shui, the uh, military leader. What might happen after that? Well, after that, and if the military do try to come to some accommodation with the democracy forces, then I imagine that there will be probably some kind of deal done which would allow for the League of Democracy or Aung San Suu Kyi at any rate to assume a more prominent role in political life but which probably is not going to lead to the removal of a lot of the officers from the armed forces because of in quotes, crimes that they had committed against ordinary citizens. What I imagine is likely to happen is that there will be an attempt at an organised reconciliation between the former leaders of the regime and ordinary people. And that means that the process of change will, transition, will be quite protracted because there will, of course, be people in the League for Democracy who will feel that it's time to 
really get rid of the military leaders, the people who were who have caused such suffering and such poverty for their people, and they will be very aggressive in trying to bring about more radical change. Um, and one couldn't exclude that they might become more persuasive as well, because of course, if and when the military have to give way, whether completely or partly, then that opens up the possibility for much more popular demonstrations when the military will not then not be able to crack down so easily. And who knows what might happen then? There is the possibility of a great deal of turmoil emerging. And if it was the case, for instance, that this event only takes place after Aung San Suu Kyi has died, then it's not clear that there would be any kind of alternative symbol of national unity that the democracy activists would be able to put forward. And if there isn't that, then there is the possibility for a great deal of division between the democratizers as well as between the military leaders. Then things could get bad rather than could get better. So... We have to keep watching it. We have to hope that, that things are going to work out better, but nothing guarantees that there is going to be a smooth transition either in the short term or in the long term. It is going to depend upon how the Burmese themselves handle that process. And unfortunately, the military regime has not prepared them for any kind of autonomous, relatively enlightened political behaviour. It could be that extremism will take over and then that will cause even more trouble, both for the states around Burma as well as those uh, further afield.